Our Own Press presents The Cradle, written and performed by T.M. Camp. J.R. sat back, propping his feet up on the railing. He did not say, the end. He did not need to. G. sat and listened to the rain. There was a lot to think about. She had so many questions. Are you... She began, but J.R. beat her to it. No, he said. We're not that old couple. Although me and June have been blessed in so many ways. He took a deep breath and held it for a long moment, let it out. And honestly, he said at last, I just don't know that I can believe in those gods. What do you mean? After everything she'd seen and done, after all her time down here, G had accepted without question that the story was exactly what had happened. She believed in these things now, and she was surprised to hear that he didn't. What about the loaf of bread and all that stuff? She gestured to the house behind them. We ate dinner at the same table and you've got... Jeez, you've got two trees growing in your living room. J.R. chuckled. Well, when you put it like that... He shook his head. I don't mean that I don't think it happened. It must have. Like you said, me and June live under the shadow of those two trees... Every day we listen to them whisper, welcoming all the strangers and exiles and orphans. It's just... He pursed his lips. Well, I just don't know that I should believe in them. In those gods. I just don't know that it's right. She cocked her head at this. Why not? J.R. ran his hands through his hair, smoothing back the iron-gray strands that had fallen over his forehead. In life, I was a believer. I had my faith, and it was hard-earned. Nothing could shake it. I knew my God, and I knew he loved me. Don't... G. wasn't quite sure how to say it, but she went ahead anyway. Don't you believe in God anymore? Oh, sure, I still believe, but it's changed somehow. Why? What happened? J.R. gave her a wry smile, gesturing around them. This happened. It's a whole lot different than pearly gates and streets of gold like they told me when I was a boy. G. thought about this. What she knew of heaven mostly came from cartoons. People on clouds, playing harps. J.R. nodded. And that surprised me. This surprised me. It's different than what I thought it would be. I think it's better, G. said. All that other stuff seems boring. Yes, indeed. But it made me wonder. If all this is here, if that old story is true and... 
The gods came down from Olympus. Then where does... He looked at G. Serious. Well, then where does my god fit? G had no answer to that. But you prayed at dinner, and you still read the Bible. I still do, he agreed. She was relieved that he didn't ask her how she knew this. She felt suddenly ashamed of her snooping upstairs. Why? I mean, G tried to find the words. Now that you know it isn't true? J.R. raised his eyebrows. Who says it isn't? It seems to me it's turned out to be as true as anything else. Just a little different, maybe. If these stories about these gods are true, then why can't mine be, too? Maybe, he admitted. And maybe my faith is different now, too. But that doesn't mean I still don't need my God. I still need to pray. Still need to feel his love. I read the Bible because that's just what makes sense to me. It's like Dillinger said. You know who he was? G shook her head. Dillinger was a bank robber. He was famous for it, a celebrity. And they asked him when they caught him, Why did you rob all those banks? And do you know what he said? G shook her head. He said, Because that's where the money is. J.R. shrugged. That's how I feel about the Bible. About saying my prayers. Because that's where my God is. But what about the other God? Well, I don't know. But that doesn't keep me from praying to mine. I'll still need him. I always will. Even if all these other gods are out there too. They are, G said. I've met some of them. At that, J.R. sat back and studied her. What? She shrugged. They're nice. After a long, thoughtful moment, he said, Young lady, you're one of the more interesting guests we've had here in quite some time. I'll say that for you. Um, she didn't quite know how to answer that, but it sounded like a compliment nonetheless. Thanks. A gust of wind swept past, scattering rain back under the roof of the porch. She realized that the storm was picking up, the sound of thunder closer than before. I don't think faith is a fixed thing, J.R. said. The Bible says it's like a seed. It grows over time. It changes and it spreads out. The roots get deeper and the branches go higher. You know what I mean? G was mostly thinking about cookies, but she nodded anyway. He went on. But it changes. I know mine has. Because of this place. And, yeah, maybe my ideas about God, about the gods, well, they've changed a little bit too. More than I expected. So, you do believe in them? Well, J.R. took a deep, cautious breath before he answered. Once upon a time, I would have said no. But these days, 
He stared out into the rain. These days? She wasn't going to let him off the hook. These days... These days I'm not so sure. I think God... I think maybe God is like water. He's a pure thing. Nothing else but himself. And, like water, he's damned hard to hold on to. J.R. cleared his throat, knocking some of the rust off of his voice. But some people try. They make a shape for themselves. They make a bottle or a bowl or a cup. And they say, this is what God is. And they pour him into it. She resisted the urge to reach out and catch some raindrops in her hand. But it seems to me God ought to be bigger than any cup we make. Any bottle we might try to hold him in. We can fill up the bottle easy, but there's always more to God. Much, much more. And people tend to throw away whatever's left over. Whatever won't fit into the little shape they've made for him. Why? Because they care more about the shape they've made than what they're drawn on to fill it. He nodded, agreeing with himself. But it's not the shape that matters. It's the water itself that's important. The shape can't quench your thirst or irrigate a field. Only the water can do that. Only God. Without the water, without God, all you have is an old bottle. It's empty. Hollow. Just an idol, without anything of substance inside. Yeah. If whatever Jean knew about heaven came from cartoons, then she knew even less about God. But she thought she understood what he was saying, even if he still hadn't answered her question yet. J.R. went on. And some people, they're not afraid to add to God, to change his color, or add some other things to him, give him a different flavor from the other gods just so they can say theirs is special, that theirs is the one. They might as well be selling soda pop. He shook his head. But God is God. He's not the flavor you dump into him. He's not the color you try to stain him with. The storm was picking up matching J.R.'s sudden burst of passion. And God's special in other ways. Some people get him cold, freeze him into a shape so that he can't be changed, so that he can't do what all water does naturally. They don't want him to flow. They want to fix him, control him. But that's a cold God, a sharp and brittle thing that's easily broken. Those people don't know the passion of the Lord the soothing warmth of his love. And so they grow brittle and cold too, just like their God. She stifled a yawn. Other people, they heat God up with all their anger, with their hate and their judgment. They want their God to boil like they boil. They don't want him to quench anyone's thirst. They want him to blister and scald the wicked. So they stoke those fires as hot as they can. And, in the end, all they end up with is steam. Too hot and insubstantial to hold on to. A painful and fleeting god that's soon gone. I smelled some 
flows back to where it started. He gestured out into the storm, coming down harder now. Steam gets away from you, cools itself off, and then the rains come. He sighed, cooling off a little now himself. God is God, and nothing we can do to him will last for long before he just goes back to what he is. Just like water. She thought about this for a moment. Then she asked, So, with God do you believe in? J.R. chuckled. Well, I admit I've been through a few in my day. Seems like I couldn't make my mind up. Sometimes the world was a cold place and I did my share of things I'd live to regret. Those days, I figured God must feel pretty frosty about old J.R. But then there were hot times too, and I knew God was boiling mad at me for what wickedness I'd been up to. I could feel the heat of him, and it wasn't always pleasant. It wasn't until I met June that I started to learn to let God be God, to let him set the shape and flow however he wanted. He always found the cracks that needed to be filled, the drought that needed to be quenched. On hot days, he was cool and soothing, and in cold times he kept us warm. What about now? She asked again. You said things had changed. J.R. was quiet for a long, long time. Now... I haven't changed. God hasn't changed. But now I can see a little bit clearer how the water flows. All of the little streams and creeks that twist and wind their way off from the main branch of the river. They're all the river. They're all separate and distinct, but... They flow from the same source and in the same direction. No matter which you bathe in, your grime will be washed from you. Whichever one you drink from, your thirst will be quenched. All waters are one, she said. Amen, J.R. nodded. And honestly, I'm not sure God is something we can contain. You couldn't hold that river back couldn't make it change its course or shift its shape, so if God wants to be Zeus or Hermes sometimes, come down and play harps for old people, I'll be first in line to buy a ticket. Before G could answer, the door behind them burst open, and a little girl about half her age, maybe even a little bit younger, came rushing down the steps and out into the rain. G watched in amazement as the girl ran around back and forth across the lawn, screaming with delight as the rain poured down. In no time at all, she was soaked to the skin. June hobbled out onto the porch, her hands on her hips. J.R., she asked her husband, are you going to do anything but laugh? It took J.R. a while to answer. Well, Mama... I don't know that I am. No point in two of us getting soaked now, is there? June gave him a long look. She'll come back when she's good and ready, J.R. said, still chuckling. I plan to wait her out. 
June called out to the little girl. You there! Get yourself back up here! But the little girl had discovered a large puddle in the grass and was doing her best to displace it with the full force of her weight, jumping into it over and over again. If she heard June, she gave no sign. Oh, honestly, June said. We'll watch her, Mama. J.R. patted her waist. And look on the bright side. And what bright side is that, pray tell? At least we don't have to give her a bath now. June smiled, despite herself. It was a familiar sort of smile. She had seen it on her mother's face many times when her father said something he thought was funny, but she did not. That's true, June said. I'm going to go and finish up inside before bed. Maybe you can use one of those cookies to lure her back in with? Yes, she said, remembering her manners. Thank you very much. They were terrific. June turned and smiled at her. I'm glad you liked them, honey. And with that, she went back inside. J.R. gave G a wink, and together they watched the little girl dance in the rain. How old is she? G asked. J.R. shrugged. Oh, I, I don't know. I'd hazard that she's maybe five or six years old now. Will she... She wasn't quite sure what to ask. Will she get older? Like you? The man turned and looked at her, strangely. There was something there in his eyes. Amusement and a little bit of confusion. What? G asked. J.R. sat back in his chair, watching the little girl in the rain. Why don't you tell me something? Okay. He pointed with his chin to the little girl. Who do you suppose that is? Your daughter. She realized there was something going on here. Isn't she? He shook his head. All my daughters are grown, with homes of their own. Some above, some here below. She cocked her head. So, none of the other kids here are yours? He pursed his lips. Which other kids are we talking about now? She gestured back to the house. All the girls, the ones that were helping out June. The girls? Yeah. The one who brought us the cookies, the other one with the coffee. J.R. held up his hands, palms out. I get you now. See, there's something about... But once again, he was interrupted. June came out onto the porch. Any luck? she asked. G. shook her head. We got a little distracted, J.R. admitted. June said... Looks like you were right, though. Waiting her out. G looked to see the little girl had grown bored and was making her way back up to the house. She held something in her hands and, back on the porch, she handed the bundle to June. At first, G thought they might be flowers, but there were no blooms. June took them from the girl. Why, thank you, honey. 
He held the bundle up for J.R. to see. Look at this. Asparagus. My, my. He beeped the little girl's nose. Thank you, sister. The girl giggled. A happy sound. G studied her carefully. The girl was soaking wet, her dark hair hanging in strands over her face, her cheeks very pink. Her dress was more or less 99% water at this point, but the girl didn't seem to mind. June touched JR on the shoulder. Don't stay up too late, love. He nodded. You tired, Mama? A little bit. June's smile added at least ten years to her face. I might head up early, if that's all right with you. He nodded and raised his chin as she leaned down to kiss him. Good night, love. Good night, he said softly. Bring out the baby if she won't go down. June nodded. She smiled at G. If you want to stay overnight, you're more than welcome. We made a bed there for you on the sofa. It isn't much. It's great, G said. Thank you. I think I will stay. June smiled. Then we'll see you in the morning. She handed the asparagus back to the little girl and took her hand. Come on, sweetheart. Let's take these in and put them in some water so we can have them for supper tomorrow night. Water? The girl asked. June nodded. Yes, and then we need to get you dried off and ready for bed. Wait. G stopped them. What are you called? The little girl smiled shyly at G, blinking her big blue eyes. Soapy was all she had to say for herself before June took her inside. Alone again, J.R. turned to look at G. Well then, any questions? G was a little surprised she hadn't figured it out sooner. Well, sure. I mean, why? Why? Why are you getting older? Why is she getting younger? She needed him to make sense of it all. What's the point? He just shook his head. I have no idea. I'm not one to question God's ways too closely. Me and June, we are so blessed. Why bother trying to take it apart and figure it out? Besides, we've got our hands full here as it is. Plenty of folks passing through who need a good meal, a soft bed, a safe place to stay in the storm. And so many of them, so many children heading back home, I don't have time to look for all the answers. And why would I? I couldn't wish for a better life than this one here with June. G had to admit that made sense. But what about the little girl? The old woman, I mean, what's her story? J.R. shrugged. I don't know, and she's too little to tell us now. But it looks like she'd been traveling a long time. As that deep, I expect there's a lot of memories in there. So... G rested her chin in her hands. Thief getting younger, and you're getting older. Looks that way to me. G thought about this for a while, 
I'm not doing either. At least, I don't think I am. She had a moment of panic, thinking maybe she was going to have to be a little kid again. Or worse, she'd end up an old lady hobbling around for the rest of eternity. Am I? J.R. shook his head. Nope. You're just the same as you were before. But don't ask me why, he added, doing his best to reassure her. You might as well just let it be. You'll know the answers, in time. That much was true, Jean knew, and she had nothing but time now. There was a sound at the door and June came out once more. She was carrying a baby, maybe a year old, all bundled up for the night. Footsie pajamas? She'd forgotten all about those. She saw the little girl peering out at her, those blue eyes. You're getting younger faster, she thought. It must be confusing to feel it happening. Scary, even. Almost as bad as getting older, she realized. June handed the baby over to J.R., and he set her on his lap and tickled her. The baby laughed. Now don't you get her all riled up, June told him. And don't stay up too late yourself, either. No, Mama, he said. He beeped the little girl's nose. We'll be good, won't we? The little girl, Soapy, nodded her head solemnly, her bright blue eyes shining in the dim light of the windows. June gave him a kiss, ruffled the little girl's hair, then she turned to G. Good night again. Thanks for keeping J.R. company. He likes to stay up and talk, so don't let him keep you up too late. G nodded. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for dinner. And the cookies. And the bed. June smiled, very old now. She went inside. Through the windows, G watched as she slowly, so slowly, climbed the stairs and headed to bed. G wondered what it felt like to die every night. She wondered if it hurt. You don't need to worry, J.R. said. She'll be all right. He always goes up a little bit before I do. He patted G's knee. It's nice to have some company for a change. He gave Soapy a squeeze. Slowly, the baby edged her thumb into her mouth and stared out at the rain. It was heavy now, a serious storm in the making as J.R. had predicted. He sat and rocked the baby. From time to time, Soapy let out a little sound. Sometimes it almost sounded like she was asking a question or making a comment about the rain. G realized she could hear the river, loud enough to be heard over the sound of the storm. She mentioned this to J.R. and he nodded. I expect the water's going to get pretty high tonight, he said. It happens sometimes, but you don't need to worry. I've seen plenty of floods in my time. When I was a boy, our town flooded. People said it was Judgment Day. My folks' whole farm was underwater, but they subside in time. It isn't always a punishment from the gods, though it sure feels like it at the time. Jean nodded. She really didn't mind the rain, but the thought of a flood made her a little nervous. Her mom had been pretty set on the swimming lessons when she was younger, 
but it still made her feel a little uneasy inside. The baby let out a very big yawn and snuggled in close to JR's chest. Well, JR said, guess I'd better take care of a few things before she gets too comfortable. If you'll hold on to the little sister here for me, I'll be right back. Uh, sure. JR rose and deposited the baby into her arms. G cradled her as best she could. Uh, JR chuckled. You'll be fine. G was surprised to see that Soapy was even smaller, younger. There was more baby in there now, less little kid. Her cheeks had gotten chubbier as well, ridiculously so. But those bright blue eyes were unchanged. She stared up at G like a little owl, blinking slowly. Then, shyly, she smiled around her thumb. G thought about her own parents. She wondered if maybe they would have more children, now that she was gone. It was a disappointing thought. She would have liked the chance to be a big sister. Hi, she said to the baby. What are you called? The baby blew a raspberry at her. Same to you. She rocked her as best she could. She didn't have much experience in this department, and Soapy didn't seem particularly impressed either. Fortunately, J.R. came back just as the baby was starting to make her complaints known. He was carrying something in his arms. It was a cradle. Here we are, he said, settling it down between the two chairs. The cradle was carved from dark wood with a strangely familiar shape to the sides, curved like a horseshoe turned upwards. It took G a moment or two to realize that the sides weren't shaped like horseshoes, but harps. She gave JR a look. He nodded. Like I said, I don't have any answers, but there it is, just like the story says. He took Soapy from G and bundled the baby up tighter in her blanket. He rocked her for a moment in his arms, humming. After a while, he laid her gently down in the cradle and set it in motion with a nudge of his foot. Almost immediately, the baby began to cry. It was hard to tell, G thought, if, if she was angry or sad. G wondered if all babies were that hard to figure out. Uh-oh. Yep. J.R. looked down at the baby. That's what I thought. He picked the baby up again and stood in place, rocking her back and forth. She lay against his chest, thumb in her mouth, blue eyes staring across to G. J.R. spoke low and soft, his voice rising and falling in time with his rocking. At first, G. thought he was telling the baby a story, but after a while... It sounded a little bit like a song as well. Shh. 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 You rest there, sweetheart. Let the day fall away from you. Let all your worries and your cares slip off and drift away behind you like the wake of a boat on the river. Listen to the waters. 
Listen to the sound lapping against the side of the boat. Listen to the gentle whisper of the water against the wood. Let it all fall away, washing back behind you as you drift on. Let the waters carry it all away. Let the waters lift you and take you on downstream. You don't need those things you left behind. You don't need those cares. You don't need all those old worries. You don't need anything but the water and the waves, the gentle pull of the current beneath you and the river ahead. The river will bear you up. The river will carry you on. The river will keep you safe. Listen, listen. Listen. It grew quiet. She could see that the baby had closed her eyes. J.R. gently drifted back and forth, slower now, back and forth, tapering off little by little. He looked at G and raised his eyebrows, and she nodded. Gently, so gently, he laid the baby back down in the cradle and set it rocking again. The trick with babies is to let them drift off on their own, he said to G. You can't force them to do it. They have to find their own way there. It's tempting to hold on to them, to let them sleep in your arms all night long, but they gotta dream their own dreams, wake to their own lives eventually. They might fuss and fight, but they'll get there, in time. Just as he was easing back into his chair, a peal of thunder rattled around the house and a flash of lightning filled the porch with light. The baby let out a soft cry. It sounded like she was warming up for the first of many. J.R. sighed. Keep her rocking for a bit. I'll be back. He headed inside. G nudged the cradle with her toe, but it only made the baby cry louder. She wondered if June could hear her upstairs. Then she had a thought of the old woman lying there in her bed, arms crossed and silent. J.R. climbing in beside her and giving that cold cheek a kiss before he too drifted off. She shivered. J.R. came back out on the porch carrying the old battered guitar G. saw earlier. He arranged his chair so that he was facing the cradle and sat down. After fiddling with the strings for a minute, he began to play, humming just loud enough to be heard over the baby's cries. G knew him then, his voice, the guitar, there was no mistaking it. She couldn't believe she hadn't known him sooner. Her dad played his albums all the time, back home. She would have said something, maybe even asked for his autograph, but J.R. was already singing softly. My life flows on in endless song, above earth's lamentation. I catch the sweet, though far off hymn that hails a new creation. As he sang, 
The baby's cries tapered off and Soapy lay there in the cradle staring up at him, listening. The quieter she got, the softer his voice ran. Once or twice she got riled up again, but J.R.'s voice always brought her back down once more. Through all the tumult and the strife, I hear the music ringing. It finds an echo in my soul. How can I keep from singing? G sat in her chair, thinking about what he had said about the gods. Having run across one or two of them recently, she wasn't entirely sure that they were any different than she was when it came right down to it. Based on what she had seen, it seemed like the big difference was that the gods had been around a little while longer than anyone else. They had most of the same problems as normal people. They fought and worried and got angry and fell in love and had to work late. What though my joys and comfort die, the Lord my Savior liveth, what though the darkness gather round, songs in the night he giveth. Maybe they were stronger. Maybe the gods had special powers. But J.R. had his music, and June made oatmeal cookies better than any G had ever tasted. And then there was G's voice, that strange force she sometimes felt just in the back of her throat, waiting to be used. She wondered if all that counted, and how long it took before you became a god. Or maybe it was something people voted on? No storm can shake my inmost calm, while to that refuge clinging, since Christ is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? As far as G was concerned, J.R. and June deserved to be gods as much as anybody. I lift my eyes, the cloud grows thin. I see the blue above it, and day by day this pathway smooths. Since first I learned to love it. The baby was crying again. J.R.'s voice rumbling like thunder, the rain coming down harder now. The peace of God makes fresh my heart, a fountain ever springing. All things are mine since I am his. How can I keep from singing?
This book is a work of fiction. All situations, events, and characters are nothing more nor less than products of the author's imagination. And it's entirely possible that some of you are as well. Any resemblance to persons living dead or somewhere in between is entirely coincidental, especially if any of them want to sue me. This recording of The Cradle was produced by Our Own Press and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. It is copyright 2012, TM Camp, all rights reserved, except for the music, which is copyright Michael Levy. Violators of this copyright will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law and suffer the fury of the gods poured out in mighty waves of unending wrath until nothing of your selfish lands remain but water as far as the eye can see. Or being turned into goats. Either way, you'll be sorry. You'll see. This recording was originally distributed as a free download through the author's website at www.tmcamp.com. The music is available from Michael Levy's website at www.ancientliar.com. Our own press, bringing readers and writers together, one story at a time.